Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. As we welcome you along to the programme, this time yesterday I started the programme by talking about the shock, I think, that was recorded all over the country of that video that went viral of that very violent attack on the young 14-year-old schoolboy in uh, Navan in County Meath. I think it happened on Monday of this week at about half past two in the afternoon. Well, it's been reported today that specially trained Gardaí are set to interview the boys that were involved because it was one of the points that we made yesterday. The fact that the video had gone viral, it was very easy to identify who had been involved in the attack on that young boy. And the Gardaí now have confirmed that they're treating Monday's attack uh, as where that boy ended up with very serious facial injuries. The Gardaí are saying they are treating it as a hate crime. All of the pupils involved in the incidents have now been identified by the, the Gardaí and sources say that arrests will be made as part of what they're calling a coordinated operation. The Gardaí will be from the Garda Youth Diversion Programme and they are the ones that will interview the suspects who of course are all juveniles themselves. Now according to newspaper reports it's expected that the boys will then be issued with a formal caution and their future behaviour will be supervised. Now, that's not going to go down with many people. I think lots of people really want the full rigours of the law on these young people. But that's what it looks like. It'll be a formal caution and then they'll have to be uh, supervised. And then I suppose if they do anything wrong after that, then they will find themselves in real uh, trouble. Guard the juvenile liaison officers. They work with children who have committed offences and then they also liaise with their families and they liaise with the victims um, about their behaviour as part of the guard the Youth Diversion Programme. Now, the assault, of course, didn't happen on school grounds. It occurred, it looked like, as they were all heading home from school, it was a green area close to the school. And, of course, the school was very quickly identified because everybody recognised the uniforms that the boys were were wearing and it's Beaufort College in Navan. Now they have confirmed while the incident didn't happen on the school they have confirmed that they've initiated what they're calling a significant disciplinary procedure against a number of pupils in relation to the attack. Also, school psychologists are also supporting pupils in the school yesterday. And that's obviously amid the concerns about the impact of the incident 
on the other pupils in the school. I mean, it's a big school. It's a school of nearly 800 pupils. And all day yesterday, senior government uh, ministers were all coming out saying how horrified they were by this very, very violent uh, assault and what appears to be a senseless uh, attack. The Taoiseach Leo Varadkar condemned the nasty individual who shared the video of the shocking incident. He called on the parents of those who were involved in Monday's assault to act and to take responsibility. And he felt worse still were the people who felt the need to video it and then put it up online. He says it takes a particular type of person to to take pictures and post videos of people with the purpose of humiliating them. He said that is a particularly nasty type of individual and who does that kind of thing. Uh, And he also, of course, was critical of uh, bystanders who stepped by and didn't try to help with some of them even uh, joining up, joining in. And he admitted that it was particularly hard to watch. And he went on to give his sympathies to the young man. He actually reached out and he spoke with the uh, parents yesterday to see how the the young man was doing, doing, doing. And I know there's been a lot of criticism of the person who put up the video. But equally, as we discussed and mentioned yesterday, there are others saying... While it was very hard to watch and it is humiliating and it's been shared just way too many times. I think it had about five million views up to uh, yesterday evening. But the other side of it is if it hadn't been videoed and it hadn't been shared, would it, you know, there would have been no evidence. There would have been because I don't know if that young boy, would he have felt safe enough to have gone to the Gardaí and to name the people? Would he have even realised everyone who was involved in punching and kicking him because he was on the ground at one stage trying to cover his own head when there was kicks and punches rained down on him. It would have been hard for him to be able to identify everyone who was involved in the attack. So the video evidence is there and that's how the Gardaí have been able to identify all of the suspects. But but I, so I, I kind of can see it from both sides. I do think anyone who would deliberately videotape something just to humili- humiliate somebody, I do agree with Leo Varadkar. What kind of a person is, uh, is that? The Justice Minister Simon Harris, he actually also, he spoke on Wednesday. He spoke with the child's mother and he said it was a moment that stopped all of us as a nation in our tracks when we saw the image. He said he was horrified. He thinks the people people all over the country were horrified by it. He said, I think we like to think we've got, we, we are surely living in a better place than to see something like that happening in our uh, country. And he told the mother that the whole country is sending out their best wishes to the young teenage boy for a speedy uh, recovery. And actually, I saw uh, this morning on a breaking story from the school, it's expected that young boy, uh, he's expected to be back in school next week. And obviously the school will do any, everything that they can to accommodate to accommodate him and make sure that he feels comfortable uh, coming back into school. And the ISPCC are out there also expressing disappointment Appointment that the video has been so widely circulated on uh, social media. They say it's incre- they're incredibly disappointed that the video still hasn't been removed from social uh, networks and they're again appealing to people to please stop sharing it and if you did share it on your feed to please uh, delete it. And then the young boy when, when I was discussing the story of what had happened in Navan on Monday, a story was breaking yesterday out of Dublin of a vicious attack on a young 17 year old boy 
who was seemingly really badly beaten in the Bluebell area of Dublin and golf clubs were used. Now it's understood that the teenage boy suffered a bleed to the brain. He was rushed to Beaumont Hospital on Wednesday He, where he required life-saving surgery overnight. Yesterday it was, he was being described as being in a coma and he's expected that he's going to have to undergo a further operation. Now it seems from the Gardaí's point of view suspects have been identified in the case Again, all believed to be teenagers from the West Dublin area and up to late yesterday evening. Anyway, no arrests have been uh, made, but investigations are ongoing. What um, so much violence out there. It truly, truly is shocking. It was shocking to read that physically violent and aggressive children were the biggest single cause of calls by families to parent line across last year. To discuss the rise in these calls, I'm joined by Aileen Hickey, who is Chief Executive of uh, Parent Line. Good morning to you, Aileen. Good morning, Aileen. Can you hear me? Um, okay, Aileen is there. That Good morning, Aileen. For some reason, Aileen isn't hearing me. John Paul is rushing into. Okay, um, no, everything is okay there. No. All right, we're going to have to get Aileen on a different uh, line. Um, no, she's not. It's for some reason we're not. It's just not connecting in. OK, uh, we'll get Aileen back on a landline. Um, we'll wait for Aileen to come back on that. OK, and while we are, just some of your calls uh, coming in. This is to do with the the young people who are now going to go before the Garda Juvenile Diversion uh, Programme. Uh, Jim says it's disgraceful if these these thugs will only get off with a caution. I haven't seen the video, but I heard that the victim balled himself up to protect himself from the kicking and the beating he was receiving. A few of the gang stretched him out again so they could give him another good kicking. You wouldn't do that to a dog, not to remind another human being. I wonder what kind of sick, depraved individuals they must actually be. And that's by uh, Jim on text to 0862103103. Now, fingers crossed, Aileen Hickey uh, is uh, with us on the normal phone line. Good morning, Aileen. I don't know what problems we're having here with phone lines, but uh, good morning, Aileen. Good morning, Aileen. No, we're not having, uh, I don't know what has gone wrong here. I'm on the right channel. Morning, Aileen. Good morning. Good morning, Patricia. Aileen. There you are. Sorry, we're having, we're having gremlins in the system this morning. I was talking about the fact that uh, your calls across last year, that uh, the, the largest number that you've received is physically violent and aggressive children. Are you hearing from some parents who are actually living in fear in their own homes because of one of their children. We, we are hearing that in, in a very significant fashion. So about two in every five calls we currently receive would be related to what is more generally known as child-to-parent violence. That's the kind of the umbrella label, I suppose, that you could stick on it. Um, and it, it's basically, as, as you just said there, it's where parents are fearful both of and for their children in their own homes because of the anger and aggression being directed at them. Now, I, I, I will say it's not always full physical violence. It doesn't always mean that it's, a, you know, a big 15-year-old young fella kind of throwing his mother up against the fridge door. But but, but many of the callers that, that, that ring us would be experiencing physical violence and they would have been injured. They may have got a black eye or a bruise or um, 
you know, a, a physical injury. But a, apart from physical violence, there's also uh, emotional abuse, verbal abuse, manipulation, controlling behaviours, uh, children um, damaging property. I mean, I, again, as you say, the essence of child parent violence is where the parents themselves ends up feeling afraid of their own child in their own home. And what I really want to be really clear about, Patricia, is that this is kind of the unspoken side of domestic violence because I think a lot of people think of domestic violence as being uh, very much a partner-to-partner relationship. Uh, But child-to-parent violence is also domestic violence because domestic violence is obviously any violence that takes place in the domestic setting. Um, so, you know, that, that that's where it's at. And, you know, I suppose like other forms of domestic violence, what, what it leads to is a huge sense of shame. I mean, parents inevitably feel, you know, they feel helpless and they feel as though they have um, they've kind of failed, even though it's generally not their fault. You know, they don't understand how this has happened in their homes and in their families. And um, it can lead to secrecy because it's not something they necessarily want to discuss with their other family members or neighbours or down at the school gate or with their friends. Um you know, and I suppose that that's actually where parent line comes in, and that you know we we get the calls because parents are ringing parent line in constant and without judgment, um, and you know we're we're there to support and to listen and to them. yeah, and I, I assume for a lot of the parents who would contact you on this issue, it is possibly the first time they've spoken to anybody else. One hundred percent, absolutely. So you know, I mean, they may have spoken to each other, as in you know, if, if, you know, there may be two parents in the house discussing it among themselves, but they haven't spoken to somebody externally. Um, and as I say, you know, there, there is a huge feeling of powerlessness because they don't know how this happened and they don't know how to deal with it. And when they ring us, you know, they, they can be in crisis. They can be very upset, which you know, we've taken you know, some very upsetting phone calls from parents who are dealing with very significant situations, you know, in their own homes. It's, it's generally, um, and, and this, this is just the way our calls are coming in. So I'm only reporting what we get. Yeah. It's about two thirds boys. Um, it's generally directed at the mother, but not always. It can be directed at both parents or can be just directed at the dad. Um, but, and it is, the, the age range is generally um, kind of 12 to 18. Now, they can be older, as in we, w- we would have, again, we would have a number of calls from parents who are having this issue with adult children living in the family home, particularly because, you know, it's more difficult for children to move out these days. Adult children, you, you, whether they're students or whether they're working, it's difficult to move out because of the rental situation. Also, there are some younger children uh, who are um, who, who get calls from parents who are presenting with these kind of abusive behaviours directed at, at their parents. God, it's shocking, isn't it, um, Aileen? And so, yeah. so sad. Yeah, I mean, it's desperate. So, I mean, as I say, like, you know, we took about 2,000 calls from this last year and that's just what we're taking. So, you know, that very much may be the tip of the iceberg because these are parents who are aware, first of all, of the parent line service and who are looking for a bit of help and support. And so I'm sure that that, that there's, you know, there's many more out there who haven't reached out who are trying to deal with it. I mean, we do have um, a very good programme. We've got a programme called the Nonviolent Resistance Programme um, that we put in place to help parents and to kind of empower them and to help them to work to take positive action to end the abusive behaviours and the violent behaviours. Now, we're not the only organisation in the country that offers the Nonviolent Resistance Programme. There are many organisations that offer it. However, we are the only ones that offers it over the phone. Um, now, it's not like, like everything else. It's not a magic bean and it's not a magic wand. And we wouldn't possibly promise to fix every family. Um, but it is a very good um, intervention model for those who work with it. Now, again, 
as I say, you know, this is a program that it can take eight to ten weeks. It consists of a one-hour phone call once a week between the parent and one of our um, trained facilitators. Um, and you know, there, there, there is a, a program to follow. And um, if, if the parent, you know, works with it, and um, you know, if, if, if they commit to doing the program, we have seen. And we get a lot of feedback, and because we have a feedback um, survey as well, we we have seen the most dramatic changes Brilliant. take place within families. Brilliant. So that so I, so you know, it's not that there is no hope; there is hope. Basically, what this program does is it works to um, change the parents' reaction actually to the, the behaviours that are being exhibited. Because as you know yourself, Patricia, you know they. they all kids know what button to press and they usually know that they're going to get the same response when, when they press the button. And, and it's very easy, you know, to kind of throw oil onto the fire by, by the way a parent reacts to, you know, a, a, a behaviour that's being directed at them. So this is all about kind of, you know, taking the elevator down to the bottom floor and trying to de-escalate what's going on. And in turn, then, that brings about a behavioural reaction in the child because, you know, they've now got an unexpected reaction from you. And, uh, I, I mean, I'm not going to go into the whole programme. I, mean, I know, I know, it, I know. It, this, but, 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 but I think more than anything, you're me- to get the message out to anyone listening who is suffering, you know, be it, it doesn't always have to be physical or any kind of aggressive psychological behaviour from a child, I think your message is reach out. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know, the, the sooner you ask for help, the better you will feel. And you know, and, and again, we're always putting out the message that it's okay to ask for help. And as I say, you know, we, we, our our volunteers are, are, you know, first of all, it's anonymous, it's in constant. There's absolutely nothing that a parent can ring them about that they won't have heard before and that they will be shocked by. Because you know, some of our volunteers have been on our helplines for over thirty years. Wow. There is no call that they haven't heard before um, and you know that, that they're entirely non-judgmental because as I say they've heard it all before anyway and you know that, that doesn't take away from the service they give because they've heard it before they, but they are fantastic, the most fantastic group of people um, and uh, and they provide huge service and huge support to parents and as I say if, if they feel that if, if the volunteer feels that the non-violent assistance programme is something that would help a parent they will then refer them to, to uh, for, for that and we'll take it from there and try and put a programme in place we do have a short waiting list for the programme because we are in because you're so busy yeah. on this yeah, issue because we're so busy yeah. and it, it, so, uh, it's interesting when you say you know you've, you've some volunteers who've been with you for over 30 years I take it the nature of the calls have, have they changed much Aileen over the years? Um, well there's a couple of areas actually where they've changed I mean first of all about 20% of our calls in 2022 came from dads. That would have been unheard of 20 years ago. You know, 20 years ago, you know, it, 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 it generally, if, the, if a dad rang, it was, and this sounds terrible, it was more or less to say that, you know, his partner wasn't coping well with the parenting. So it was nothing, okay, you know, yeah. nothing about their own issues. But, you know, so it, it, it shows, well, first of all, you know, I mean, it's, it's not that dads weren't always hugely participative in their children's lives, but they are certainly reaching out more now to look for the bit of help and the bit of support and the bit of information in dealing with their children. They're not just letting their wives deal with that end, but they're certainly uh, right there at the forefront. And we even find with the Nonviolent Resistance Programme, when we do the programme over the phone, it's usually both parents who are on the line if there are two parents involved. So, you know, so I will say that dads have become, we've seen, and again, this is only what we can see from the health lines, but from the looks of things, dads are not not just more involved, but more willing to ask for help and more willing to be involved. So that, that's been a huge step forward. Uh, the, the, I suppose the other areas where we would have seen um, a big, a huge increase actually uh, in calls is in calls related to anxiety, to parents who are very concerned 
um, that their child is, um, it, it, you know, is displaying symptoms of anxiety. Um, again, the calls in that went up about ten percent last year. Um, uh, and you, you know, the pandemic I, I had a lot to do with that, didn't it? The pandemic certainly Lockdowns, had a lot to do yeah. with that. You mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you can't throw everything at the door of the pandemic, but uh, you know, the COVID restrictions made life very stressful and difficult for for many children, particularly I think um, for teenage children, and um, because you know, and I, I know they were put in place for for the correct reasons to protect physically vulnerable older generations, but you know, I'm not sure if there was enough thought given to the mental stresses that w- were put on the young as as a result, and. Many of them have found it very difficult to re-engage with school, to re-engage with their, their, their school group, to re-engage with their school friends, um, to re-engage into, into society. Um, you know, so that there, there, a lot of them, you know, that they, they will avoid social situations now. You know, so there's been a very significant rise in anxiety of levels since the early part of 2020, which is around, you know, the, 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 the times of, of, of COVID. Yeah, you know, and, and, you, they, you, and you wouldn't have seen those kind of calls 20 or, or 30 years ago. Yesterday, and, and I have to say, I can still see a lot of texts coming in today. We had a huge reaction to that video from uh, Navin of that senseless attack on that young uh, schoolboy. We also had a similar incident that went viral here in Cork and then there's a story out of Dublin of the of the 17 year old who's in a, a coma um, and has had a bleed to the brain. Have bullying attacks Aileen become much more violent? Um, again we, we, we have seen um, a rise in calls in relation to, to childhood bullying um, I, I don't know if it's that they've become more violent or it's because of social media that we're seeing more of the violence. I mean you know I mean first of all Obviously, you know, I want to say huge sympathy to the families of, of all those children that have been um, assaulted this week. I mean, you know, these are disgusting and shameful and cowardly acts that were perpetrated by, um, you know, on these children. And and, and they certainly, a, strong, a very strong message needs to be sent out from the Gardaí and from the boards of management of any, of any schools involved. And I know there have been, I know there's been disciplinary action put in place, but also from parents. And that's because, you know, I mean, you know, if a parent has a concern that their child might be involved in any of these incidents, and, and a lot of these children, particularly what, what was posted from Navin, they're clearly identifiable. So, you know, I mean, but a very strong message needs to be sent out that, you know, this, this, is, this can't be tolerated and it will be punished. Um, so, I, I, again, I suppose... The, 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 what a, the difficulty here is is the social well not, it's not the difficulty but again social media does have a role to play here in that the fact that you know particularly the Navin incident you know that it was posted and shared so widely on social media platforms and that there's been difficulty getting it off some of the social media platforms and that in itself is appalling because this is not something that you know the, the family of that child wants seen and shared and you know it, it's hugely upsetting in itself without having it right out there Yes, it was something like five million um, shares. So, uh, yeah, so parents, so parents need to talk to their uh, children, not just about being the the dangers of being a victim, but also that they could be the ones perpetrating the attacks. Absolutely, because this will change the trajectory of their lives as well if their child, you know, gets involved in any of these attacks, whether they're an actual perpetrator or even if they're a bystander. Um, you know, that children need you know. Parents need to talk to their children. Schools need to talk to their children because, look, everything to do with parenting and children comes down to talk, guide, teach, listen. But, you know, they need to be listened to. They need to be spoken to. They need to be guided, you know, and, and certainly shown that this is not, you know, how you behave in a society. Uh, and, you know, assaulting anyone is 
absolutely not to be tolerated. And that is, you know, you know, even a very minor assault. These weren't minor assaults, but you know, at any level, that you know, every parent needs to be very concerned to to, to talk to their child and to ensure that their child is not being is not involved in, or, or, or or would even contemplate anything along these lines. And you know, they, they need to be talked about it on every on every level. Okay, listen, well said. And Parent Line can be contacted on Dublin 8733500. Aileen, always a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you for that. And thanks Thank for joining you. us. Uh, good morning to you. That is Aileen Hickey, who is Chief Executive of uh, Parent Line. And the issue that we started and the reason that we invited Aileen onto the programme is because of the increase in calls they're seeing from uh, parents who are being uh, living with a child who's been physically violent or aggressive towards them. If you are living in that situation, please, please uh, reach out and uh, try to get the support, certainly the support that groups like Parent Line can offer. 018733500. Court today on C103. And some of your calls coming in uh, specifically to do with the attacks uh, by young people on young people. Passion for Moy says, Patricia, children are not born with hate. It's not a natural thing to be born with. It's a learnt behaviour. And that learnt behaviour comes from adults. That So they're seeing what adults are doing and then they are following suit. And Joan says, I feel children today don't respect their parents and any child or teen that ends up before the court just gets a slim a simple slap on the wrist and so far what's coming out from the Navin case that is looking what's going to happen because it's the Garda Youth Diversion Programme that are going to interview the suspects and these are specially trained uh, Garda and uh, it is looking like they'll get a formal caution and then their future behaviour will be uh, supervised. John O'Donovan uh, joins me uh, just to talk about this increase in uh, attacks. Good morning to you John. Morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm I'm very well. We are seeing an unprecedented level of very violent behaviour, aren't we, by young people? We are, and unfortunately, this trend of actually, you know, taking videos of it and putting it up online then seems to be more prevalent. I mean, they simply get a kick out of it, and the amount of people in there are actually sharing it. You know, it's, I think it's, that that attack, I think, has gone over five million now at this stage. Like, it's absolutely frightening. That five million people would actually see this, but I can't believe, like I mean, the report is there that I mean these people are only going to get offered a caution more than likely. I mean that's not good enough. It's just not good enough. I mean, I yeah. Don't care and, and in fairness to the Gardaí, they are saying that you know this is more than just a bullying issue, or you mm. know this is more than just a squabble between kids in in the playground. They are calling it out as a hate crime. Well, this was a friend, a frenzied attack, like on it. A, a, a quite young lad, you know, his sexuality, like, I mean, that's got nothing to do with it, like, I mean, it was just a frenzied attack, like, on a young lad, like, I mean, by many people, I mean, it was vicious, like, I mean, I saw the video, but, like, I mean, I got It was really, hard to watch. It was savage to watch it, I mean, yeah. I'll be honest, I felt so angry, like a lot of people, I'd say, and to think that these people know will get off and possibly a caution. I mean, this, this young lad, Dick, will carry that for the rest of his life, more than likely, Patricia. And the fact that there's been five million views, and I saw the ISPCC are, are disgusted because it still hasn't been taken down by the social media platforms. 
I can't understand that. Well, like with all the algorithms out there now and the modern technology, the minute something like this appears, Patricia, it should be taken down immediately. It should be flagged immediately by the networks, and it should, the minute it appears, it should disappear. There's no way that should be still up there circulating now. There's no way it should have got five million views. It's absolutely appalled. That that that's another criminal act in my in my book anyway. By the networks to load this, uh, it's actually still there. Yeah, and that's what will follow that young lad because I know I'm hearing that he's he's talking about going back to school next week. God help him! But that will forevermore follow him because it's and been between, shared. Between that, now the case that you just supported as well on the news about that the female detective that was dragged along the ground. This guy got four years and he got a year suspended, like, and he got a four-year driving ban. Number one, this guy should never drive again. He should lose his license. And there should be a mandatory sentence of 10 years for an attack on any member of Ungar Shikana, any paramedic, any doctor, any nurse. A mandatory sentence of 10 years. Here's a girl that was almost killed. She can't even pick up her children or the accounts, uh, her young children to play with now. She's carrying those injuries maybe for the rest of her life. And we did the, the, the mental torture of it. And, and so it's the, it's, the ju- it's the judicial system you're now calling into question yeah, it, it, and it, it, sentencing. It, 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 yeah. These people, I mean, like, they seem to be completely out of touch. Like, I mean, week after week, month after month, year after year, we see these ridiculous decisions being handed out, these so-called sentences. They're not a sentence to me, they're a joke. Yeah, and actually, I've, I don't know if you've watched that programme and, and it's 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 fabulous, the one about going into the Mount Joy to teach the some of the young lads football mm-hmm. and try and put them on, on the, the right direction. The one yeah. thing I couldn't get over watching all of them telling their story, they were all re- reoccurring. You know, one young lad saying, I think it was in the last five years, he had only spent three months outside of Mount Joy. He was in and out. It's like a revolving yeah. door. It's literally like a, you, a short mean, sentences back out, short sentences back out, more crimes committed. Yeah. There's, there's, there's no follow-up. There's, there's no one saying, look, I mean, this kid is coming before the courts too often. Is there problems in the family or whatever? There's no one seems to kind of head it off at the past. Like, I mean, they just leave continuously coming before the courts. I remember John Lanigan, the former government of Mount Jai. Yeah. He actually said this. He said that why he was, I mean, this is unbelievable. Why he was governor of Mount Jai. Now, that, it was a good few years when he had that, that job, no Patricia. And while he was governor of that prison, right, no sitting Minister for Justice visited him as governor in that establishment. Imagine that. That's an incredible statement. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that an incredible yeah. thing for the governor of Montreal? But say? jail doesn't seem to work. It just doesn't seem to work. They go there and then they're back out again. And, you know, and because our jails are overcrowded, they're all getting out quicker. This is the thing, because that's another point he made. He said, while he was in there, he saw actually three three generations of the one family. The grandfather was inside there, the son was inside there, and then the grandson was inside there of the same family. So did nobody show stop or say, look, social workers need to be involved here. Something that is there. There's something wrong here. here, Is there domestic violence? And and, and I'm also interested in your, your thought pattern and you were talking to John Paul about this um, earlier. One of the reasons for all this uh, violence, you're talking about the Katie Taylor match. Well, I, I'm completely against it. I, I, Why? I, don't believe, I, I think women's boxing is an abomination. I've always felt like that. It just happens to coincide this week now that this high profile fight is on where there's an awful lot of violence being reported in the media, right? Yeah. And um, I just think it's an abomination. I, uh, I mean... It's dangerous anyway because, I mean, there was a report in there in uh, 1969 going back that far 
where the British Studies Centre Roland six or third professional boxer suffered from serious brain damage about 16 years after their career was over. Like and are you, are you against male boxing? Oh, yeah, all boxing. All, all boxing. boxing, OK, all right. But, all right, but, but I, I, I find, like, if you saw two women, like, if, if, if when you come in Monday morning, you know, if there was a report that there was two women fighting in the streets of Mallow, and people video that, and there was people watching, doing nothing. They watched the girls tear the head. And I've seen girls fighting in the streets of Park over the years. And it's not a pretty sight when they go at it. And if that was put up online, like, and people would be ringing you, this is appalling. This is a disgrace. Why didn't someone intervene? Why did people video it again? You know, I mean, people would be appalled. So what's the difference between people paying big money to go in to see two girls beating the heads off each other? And the object of boxing, any boxing match, male or female, producers. One opponent must try and inflict as much damage on the other opponent as they possibly can so that the third person in the ring, the referee, deems the fight is stopped. Yeah. Because it's too dangerous. If it goes on, the opponent... Who, who landed the most punches is, is yeah. the winner. Yeah. yeah All right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll see, we'll see. Do others agree or disagree with you, John? Okay. In the meantime, yeah, thank you. Have a lovely thank weekend. You. Thanks for joining us. That is uh, John O'Donovan. Uh, the Katie Taylor and all boxing matches is that attributing to uh, increase in violence. A lot of commentary coming in and I will get to your thoughts and comments in a moment. But I want to go to a local business in Mitchellstown. This is Southern Truck Recycling. I'm joined by Eddie Barry of STR with an issue I actually don't think I've dealt with before on the programme. Good morning, Jeddy. Good morning, Patricia. Now, you're, you're a business that's up and running with uh, how many years? Um, under current name, the best part of 20, about 17 years, but we've been on this site since 1985. OK, all going well and busy? Very busy, thank God. Um, now, unfortunately, because of the issue we're about to raise, uh, our phones have been very, very quiet over the last two to three days. Um, now, there's a, there's a reason for this. Tell me, now, tell me, first of all, how you discovered that your main phone number is... It's disconnected, isn't it? Isn't it? Because we've tried As ringing such, it. It's yes. just disconnected. As such, that's the simplest way to describe it. It started on Tuesday evening, sometime late Tuesday afternoon to Tuesday evening, Um I was actually gone from the office early that day and a regular customer of ours uh, rang me on my mobile at around five o'clock, which is around the time we close up in the office every day, and made some joke about couldn't get through to the office, he mustn't be paying the bill, I have to ring on the mobile. And I said, no, I said, Must, maybe the phone was busy or something like that. And thought nothing of it, dealt with the query. And on the following morning, one of the directors rang me from offsite on my mobile because she couldn't get through to the office. She said, there's a problem with the line. That was the first, I suppose, red flag. Um, I contacted Vodafone, um, was told by uh, the person on the other end of the phone that I would be replied to within 15 minutes, which is a call I'm actually still waiting for, and that was at 9.15 on Wednesday morning. Um, several calls later, checked with our with a phone provider as well, which is a car company, provides our phones in the office, and I've to do that. They um, said straight away, no, from what you're describing, it's an issue with Vodafone. Okay. So kept contacting them, uh, being transferred from uh, Tom to Dick to Harry, and um, eventually got somebody who genuinely seemed to be trying to help me. Basically, the problem was our main phone number, which is 84162, and has, be, has been the number here since 1985, as I said, um, was uncontactable. Uh, Vodafone were telling me the number didn't exist. 
And it's been there since 1985. Since 1985. And when we rang it earlier, this is what you get. The number you have called is not recognised. Please check the number and dial again. And why? And and a reason from Vodafone? Um, It transpired from Wednesday. We were getting as far as, um, oh, we will look into it and we will come back to you. That was going on all day. We must have lost, between two of us, we must have lost about three hours of a working day on the phone to Vodafone. Um, we have a secondary number which is 41594 and not many people would know that number only people that we would have rang out from it and they would use it as a return call Um, it is on our business cards and literature and that but again 84162 is the widely known number for the company and they told us that the only number on our our account was 41594 now we did a bit of delving and checked a few recent invoices and to be fair, like everybody else, I think everyone looks at the bottom figure on yeah. an invoice. And you pay it, yeah. And you pay it. And you were, by the way, we need to clarify that, you were, all bills were paid and oh, up to All date. bills were currently Great. up to date, exactly. Um, when we studied the last invoice, we spotted that the 84162 number wasn't actually on the invoice. There was a different number, the 41594 was on it, and a different number, which is totally alien to us. And when we rang that number, we were getting something like, you just played there for our... our or proper number. Um, so, next yesterday morning, got a call from somebody in Vodafone to tell us that it was a churned number, as they call it, since January 2021. Now, churned apparently means a cancelled number. So I asked, who cancelled it? They tried to say that we did. I said, nobody down here, I said, would have cancelled that number, I said. Why would you cancel your main exactly. business line number that's been in place since 1985, yes. says you? And is known not just locally, but nationally and internationally. And it's apparently as part of a, a so-called project called Project Astro that Vodafone have put in place for numbers that they weren't charging for, um, numbers that they say were not being used but were still in existence. And apparently, uh, according to Vodafone, they wrote to us back in March and wrote to several companies around Ireland back in March, detailing numbers that were still in existence but not being used and not being charged for and uh, were giving in this uh, letter, which, by the way, we never received, um, a deadline date for cutting off the number. But, no. but but I know I'm getting really confused. I mean, if they're saying that they are getting rid of numbers that are not being used, you can, they would know from their records that that's an active line with calls going in and going out. Exactly. I mean, it, it beggars belief, to put it simply. Um, so, so, so at the end of it all, you said, well, look, I need this number, give it back to me. What, um, what, what have exactly. they said? Exactly. Oh, that is cannot. First of all, that it could not happen. Now, to be fair, um, I did ask for. I emailed Vodafone for a copy of the letter that was reportedly sent to us. Yeah. I'm still waiting on that, on a copy of that letter. The person who told me of the letter could tell me the date that the letter was sent out, but couldn't give me what the deadline date was. Mm. She couldn't specify it. Um. Now, I did get a call yesterday from a lady in Vodafone Business, um, and she informed me that this similar, we say, occurrences have happened 
with other companies and apparently with several other companies and uh, that they are just trying to rectify it, that this Project Astro and it basically I doubt if this letter was ever sent. We have no But are they, are they putting their hands up and saying our mistake will sort it? Well, the commentary from Vodafone Business is yes, it is a Vodafone issue and it will be sorted. And to be fair to the lady in question, she um, very helpfully acknowledged the issue and said, I will guarantee you that I will get this sorted, but I cannot guarantee when. It could take up to a week. And in the meantime, Eddie, if people don't have your mobile number, don't have that other second phone number, it's very possible you're losing business over this. We are losing an immeasurable amount of business. And we could potentially lose a very... um, very regular, very, as we call, old customers, very long-standing business relationships, which, I mean, as you can imagine, good, healthy, strong business relationships take time to build. And they have been built over many, many years. And, like, we could lose them because people simply cannot get through to us. I mean, also, you look at new customers. We say, in our business, we do a lot of local trade with the likes of Mallow, Cantor, up as far as to, we say, the Cork-Limerick border, out to the Cork-Kerry border, Cork-Tipperary, Cork-Waterford borders, and and beyond. And, like, if somebody, if the copper tank in somebody's hot press is leaking and they get it replaced, they're left with that copper tank. Mm-hmm. We accept that and buy them, uh, buy them from them based on the price of, of copper per weight at the time. So if they're ringing, if they Google STR or scrap metal recyclers to get rid of their copper tank and they see the number for STR, the next thing they ring is not existent, they will go to another company, a competitor. Yeah, because I have to say, if you, if I dialed a number and got that... The number you have called is not recognised. Please check the number and dial again. I would instantly think you're out of business. Exactly. Sorry now to say and that, you, but that's what I elsewhere. would think. Yeah. You would go elsewhere with with whether it was your copper tank or a bit of lead from a job you got done on your roof. I mean, like... And how long have you been with Vodafone, by the way? Uh, I would approximately two and a half years. And you haven't had any other problems with them up to now? No. I mean, obviously lying down because of weather or whatever is... Yeah. But that's, it's a nature and natural and it's sorted. But I mean, not, not to this extent... But interestingly enough, I was speaking this morning with uh, somebody from a company in Mallow that we deal with. Now, he did ask me not to name him or the company, but they're a Vodafone customer also, because I actually rang him to make sure he had our second number. And um, he did say, oh, Vodafone, don't go there. And when he elaborated on it, they're having a current issue with Vodafone that they cannot ring out from their phones. Oh, customers uh, can ring them, or suppliers can ring them, but they cannot ring customers. So their staff are using mobiles to ring customers, and they were told it could take anything up to four days to sort this problem. And, I mean, how and, do you run a business on yeah, that Yeah, and, and, we're, and we're, we're, we're putting the shout out to see, has this happened? Are there other businesses? Because it does look like there are other businesses mm-hmm. 
who are, are affected. But I mean, a number that's been in place since 1985, it's, it's, it's ludicrous. Um, I'm just checking, John Paul, is, is that just a comment or is that somebody coming on there? It's just a comment. Um, Anthony's been on to us from a company called North Cork Communications. Right. Uh, similar has happened. Uh, he was successful in getting, uh, he, he runs a company, a telephone company for, a communications company for others. Uh, he's, he's had a number of customers that it's happened to. He has been successful in getting numbers back, but you're not going to like to hear this. He said he can take up to two months to get the number back. He said a lot of his customers have been affected uh, by this and he says they're all with uh, Vodafone and we're going to pass with your permission we'll pass your details on to Anthony to see if he can help you out. I would uh, appreciate that really. That's crazy. Listen Eddie keep in contact uh, with us and in the meantime your your new number is 025 or not your new number but it's it's your second number number 025 41594 41594 try try and get that message out uh, for um, are you known as STR are you known STR STR in Mitchellstown not many people would know us by the official name they know us by the abbreviated yes, version. Yes, STR. OK. All right. um, now, I will, if it's OK, Patricia, yep. I will also give a mobile number. Please because do. Because, obviously, when one line is non-existent, apparently, uh, it will narrow traffic availability on the other line. On the other line. Yeah. So, I'll give a mobile number as well. It's 087-282-1527. Yeah. Okay. Or if somebody is using email with any inquiries, um, they can email me directly on eddie, E-D-D-I-E, dot S-T-R, trucks, at gmail.com. Okay, and we've got all of those on file as well, if anybody's looking for it. Keep in contact with us, uh, Eddie, and uh, thank you for reaching out. I appreciate that. You're more than welcome, Patricia, and thank you for taking our call. Thanks a million. Bye-bye, bye-bye. That, I mean, business is tough enough for people uh, with everything that's going on in the world but for your landline your business main business landline to suddenly disappear after since in place since 1985 just seems incredible 0818 oh by the way we have contacted uh, Vodafone who did uh, come back to us uh, to to thank us for reaching out and they're looking into us so I don't know if if we're going to get anything back certainly before the close of the programme today but we'll, we'll, we'll keep on to them uh, to see if we can get any update and just get Eddie's phone number back as quickly as possible. I think that's that's got to be the goal now. 0818 103 103. Anybody else have disappearing phone lines? One day they're there and the next day they're gone. 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. General operatives are wanted. This is for power washing and painting. It's in the new market area. You need to be over 25. You need to have a full clean driver's license as a company vehicle is to be provided uh, from Newmarket 087 7566524. Experienced accounts administrator is required at Amberley Nursing Home. That's in for Moy. Is a full-time uh, position. Please apply to the director of care at amberleyhome.ie. Taxi drivers want it. It's to work in Charleville in the general North Cork area, 087-9753583. And Munster Drone Services. 
they're recruiting an office administrator. Now it is a full-time position, it's based in Mill Street, CVs and a cover letter to HR at Munster Drone Services. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. cmig.ie. Today is World IBD Day and IBD stands for Inflammatory Bowel Disease and the term covers a range of diseases including things like Crohn's and colitis so we need to talk about our bowel movements and why it's important to reach out and get help sharing her story is Victoria Spillane who lives in East Cork and she was diagnosed with Crohn's disease when she was just 13 and uh, she joins me good morning to you Victoria Good morning, Patricia. Thank you for having me well, on. Well, thank you for, for, for joining us uh, today. Firstly, on Crohn's disease, can Crohn's disease be hard to diagnose? It can, it can be because the symptoms can mimic a lot of other illnesses, um, whether they're short term, such as food poisoning or um, just a vomiting bug um, or something like, you know, something a bit more sinister. So it can take it can take a while um, to, to get a diagnosis, especially because it depends on some G, some doctors may not be um, too uh, informed about it. So it can take a while to actually get a diagnosis. OK, so take me back. What were your early symptoms? My early symptoms, I, I was deemed as a medical mystery. I always am by my family because I'm one of those people. Uh, my body doesn't work the way, you know, in the sense of the, the, the normal order of things. Okay. My early symptoms were a pain in my left knee and lower back pain. That's how I started uh, my symptoms for a gastrointestinal disease. A pain um, in your knee? A pain in my knee, yes, because joint pain actually accompanies um, a inflammatory bowel disease, which it not for everyone, but it does for me. Um, and it does for a lot of other people. And that's how it actually started in me. I was about 12 um, and I was very active. I would play basketball. So that's why my GP kept putting it down to basketball injury. Um, and subsequently then, soon after, uh, the, 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 the more known symptoms then came about, such as excruciating abdomen pain, um, fatigue, a different level altogether, lack of appetite, then weight loss. I went down to five stone in weight just because I couldn't keep anything in. Um, and that was even if I had a glass of water, Patricia, I, I'd, I would just, the God. pain would be awful. And I was going to the toilet um, up to 20 times a day, diarrhea with blood and mucus in it as well. God help you. And you were just mm. 13, like so young and yeah. obviously very debilitating. It was it must have been affecting all aspects of your life. I mean, school, I mean, sports that you mentioned. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. No, I am a person. I'm very much um, I ever since I was very small, it's kind of get up and get on with it. And I pushed through and I was an academic and I never wanted to miss school. So I, I just always remember going down, walking down the road to school with a big, heavy backpack on my back and just in agony. And just I have no idea when I look back how I actually managed to do that, to be honest, because I don't think I could do it now at 37, to be honest, yeah. um, to push through like that. But I, I just kind of persevered. But it did affect because I had to stop playing sport. Um, and it just got to a stage where I, it used to even be hard to, you know, to go out and play with your friends and things like that. So it, it was very tough. Um, and to try and go home and do your homework and all of that. And as I said, as an academic, it kind of, if anything, it added more stress to me, which isn't good when you're in a flare up. Um, 
but it's yeah no it is very debilitating when you're going through a very bad flare up so you, so you got a diagnosis yes and um, what happened I got a diagnosis then? and i was too i was one of the severe cases because i have I, I had crohn's disease in my large intestine the entirety of my large intestine they had then wanted to remove the full and the full large intestine immediately um, upon diagnosis because I was so diseased so that I would have been left with a permanent um, bag on my side, a permanent ileostomy bag. To be honest, I actually didn't mind even then. I said, I don't care. I just want to get better because um, I was sick of being sick. That that was the way I put it. I was just sick of being sick mm. and I wanted to get back to just being able to live life. Um, I was down for surgery. Then they changed their mind last minute because I was so young that they try and save the intestine. So I was pumped with all the medications that were available at the time. They did save it for about 12 years. Um, and then it was in 2011 that I had the large intestine fully removed. So I have the bag. Um, it did save my life because I, I, if I didn't have it, um, two weeks after, I probably wouldn't have been here um, because I did have a fistula, which is a growth that can form. Um, due to Crohn's disease, I had one of them that went undetected and it was leaking. My God. So I would have ended up with sepsis. Yeah. Yes, so yes. I, I was I was always the kind of worst case scenario. You've but... had a you've had a, a tough tough time of it, and the the yeah. Crohn's even affected your career choices. I mean, you you mentioned you were an academic. Yes, it did absolutely. I I, I was always someone I always wanted to help others, and I was always very interested in the human body and anatomy anyway. So I wanted to be a doctor. But as I go, you know, as I was going through school and everything like that, I said, if I and I was still going in and out of flare ups, I said, if I did become a doctor, I would be working in a hospital. Then when I was in a flare up, because my flare ups used to get so bad, I, I would be admitted to hospital nine times out of ten. I would then also be admitted as a patient and I'd be practically living in a hospital. So I said, that just wouldn't, you know, that's not feasible. So I then decided to go down the social science route at that stage um, as a it's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Way to try and help others. And then, that, then, and then, and then that changed then because when the large intestine was removed. Absolutely, it did because I was in kind of social care slash social work and some of that can be strenuous on the body as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. And my 
gastroenterologist Professor Fergusson, and he always said, try to work with your mind rather than your hands. That's the advice he gave me. Okay. Um, and at that stage, again, and it was disappointing, Patricia, because look, I had forced to get through school and do my leaving cert. I had then, I got through four years of college, you know, graduated, went into the world of work to then have to try and go on a different path again. And I was like, oh, like, you know, what is happening? But I still wanted to help others. So I decided to do a master's in public health and epidemiology in UCC to go into health research. That was so I've always had to think outside of the box of how, you know, my life can actually continue and, and develop. And that's um, what you're, and, you're doing now. Yeah. You're actually doing research work. So, yes, I work in APC Microbiome Ireland, um, which is in UCC, which was actually uh, founded by my gastroenterologist at the time, yeah. Christopher Gashanahan. Um, I'm here two years, actually. So I've, you know, I've had to go the scenic route um, yeah. for a better way of putting it to actually get into the career that I've actually always wanted to be in to help others. Um, and the, the centre focuses, the, a lot of the research focuses on IBD. So it's, I, I tell you, I find a comfortable circle. Yeah, I, I, and it, like it's been a difficult journey, but the the universe unfolds, Victoria, the way it's meant to unfold. You, you, I think you were meant to end up where you've ended up. Absolutely, and that's what my my mother says to me as well. She said, you know, that I, that she feels that I'm where I was meant to be. Yeah. And look, I, the way that I look at it, if I didn't have Crohn's, then I wouldn't be in the job that I'm in today, which I absolutely love. So and, there's, and there's some positive to come from it. Living with an ileostomy bag, a stoma, I think, mm-hmm. is what a lot of people refer to it as. How mm-hmm. difficult is that? It can have its challenging times. Um, now, I I was happy to get it, as I said, because none of the medications worked for me. Um, and I did have the fistula, which I was, look, I was lucky to have the surgery. Um so I took to, the, to having the bag like a duck to water, as they say. Um, I never had an issue with it and I'd never be ashamed of it. I'd still go on holidays and be in a two piece swimsuit. Wouldn't bother me. It's part of me. So I don't I, I wouldn't hide it away. Um, but right now, for example, I've had 12 years good health. Great. Last year I ran into a bit of difficulty. Um, touch wood, I'm on no medication for IBD itself. The Crohn's is still in my system, but it's sleeping, as I say. But the stoma itself, there is a hernia around it at the moment. So I'll have to go back to the surgeons actually next month so that they might need to do, a bit, they might need to tweak around the stoma because it is causing some blockages since last year. OK, but please God, that it won't be a major yeah. surgery, will it? Or No, it won't no. be, to be honest, compared to what I've had, then no. No, this, okay. to me now, this would be minor compared to what I've gone through already. And is life now good? Are you living a very full and, and as active a life as, as possible? I am, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I barred just, you know, the odd issue with the stoma and stuff like that. That's waiting to be checked out. Um, yeah, absolutely. Living with my partner um, down in East Cork. We have our little dog. So wherever, you know, I'm, I'm just like life is good. Okay. I'm able to go to work every day. Um, and even and the whole hybrid situation is, is rather nice as well, because if there is a day where I might have a bit of a blockage or my body might feel a bit sluggish, I can work from home. Brilliant. So there is um, the flexibility is great. That does help. And so to anyone, because it is, as I say, World IBD uh, Day, I think because it relates to bowel movements, some people mm-hmm. are embarrassed, aren't they, to, to go and seek help? They are. And look, I understand that it's, it's human nature. Um, and I think a lot of people then in effect, then we'll actually go for the wait and see approach, because especially one of the main symptoms being for a lot of people is diarrhea. Um, and it's a case of that they have to be ashamed to even speak to their own partners about it or their families, friends. But it's a case of it's, it happens to everyone at some stage in life. That's the way I look at it. You know, you may not have IBD, but you could end up needing to run to use the toilet 
um quite quick if you do have a bug or something like that so it's it there's symptoms that everyone will will feel at some stage in their life um so it's just don't 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 be ashamed especially to go to a doctor the doctors have heard it all before yeah you know that that's what they're there for um and it's the case of and i think especially when it comes to a lot of people we did a survey um as because i i'm one on the board of directors for crohn's and colitis ireland um as well and we did a survey recently whereby to ask about the people with symptoms and four in ten would actually do nothing initially if they saw blood in their in their stool so that did that did go for the wait and see approach and again I, I get that there's a fear around it as well you know it's like it'll go away but i always advise people if if you have symptoms no matter what they are whether it's fatigue or you know it, you know your bone motions are different or a pain of any sort no matter what it is two weeks max if they're there if, if those symptoms are there for more than two weeks do not wait around go, go to your to gp yeah. Okay. Definitely. Listen. Well done. You're 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 fantastic advocate for Crohn's Colitis. Ie and people can get there's a support line and people can go to Crohn's Colitis. Ie for uh, further information. We wish you nothing but good health going forward, Victoria. And thank you for taking Thanks time so out to Patricia. talk to us. I really enjoyed it. Good morning. Thanks to you. so much. Good morning. That is uh, Victoria Spillane, uh, who from Cork, but living in East Cork at uh, the moment, just to acknowledge World IBD Day. This year's Fastnet Film Festival will be held in Skull from the 24th to the 28th of May with a very impressive lineup of films and guest speakers. Sunday the 28th, we'll see a screening of Lakelands. It'll be followed by a Q&A with the leading actor, Aina Hardwick, who I'm delighted to say joins me. Uh, good morning to you, Aina. Morning, Patricia. How are you doing? I'm, I'm very well. Now, your face will be very well known from Smother, where you played the detective. I loved Smother and I loved your role in that. You were also Paul Thank Meskell's you. friend in Normal People. But in Lakelands, you're taking on the lead role of Kean. So tell me a little bit about Kean and the storyline story of Lakelands. Yes. Yeah, so, so Lakelands is set in Granite Longford. It's, um, it's a debut feature from... Um, Patrick McGivney and Robert Higgins and it follows I suppose Keen, who is uh, working on his family farm with his dad he's playing football um, to a fairly decent level and <clears throat> life's going pretty smoothly for him you know he, he's enjoying playing ball and he's loving life on the farm um, and things kind of take a turn when he gets into a bit of a fight in the night out and I guess without giving too much away, it just, it kind of sends his sort of, it sends his life kind of into a little bit of a spiral. Um, and that's sort of where we pick up. And then we meet Grace, who um, is from the town, who has left, who is coming back for her own personal reasons. And the film kind of follows their sort of, their journey um, as they kind of reconnect after many years. You seem to have a thing about relationships with the people called Grace. <laughs> Looking for grace in my life. That's what can it, I say? That, 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 <laughs> and did you did, did you play football as a child? I did. Yeah, I am. Um, I played. Uh, I played in primary school. Uh, I went to Cork School Project, now Cork Educate Together, and we were trained there by a brilliant teacher called Breed. And um, we so that was my kind of that was my sort of start in football. We used to train up in um, the Pearshig. Once a week. And then I played for Glanmire for a little bit as well, oh, well and um, gave it a couple of years before realising I was definitely not a footballer. Okay. You know, I could rule that one out fairly quickly. I was going to ask, did you get close to putting on the Cork jersey? 
I got about as far away from the Cork jersey as it's possible to get, I'd say. <laughs> now, back to Lakelands. I'm interested, when was it filmed? Because I saw yesterday it won awards in 2021 and 2022. So was this pre or post COVID or was it during COVID? It was during it. It was um, November 21 and it was just thankfully before, I suppose, things got very, very bad and we were kind of, we were in a little bit of a lull so that it was... Um, we filmed in Granard, very small cast and crew. Um, so, yeah, thankfully, thankfully we were okay in that regard. Um, and then, yeah, the films had a long journey, as I suppose these films do. You know, it's been kind of, it was on the road from last summer uh, where it went to the Galway Film Fla and then has been at kind of festivals around the world for the last sort of nine months. So it's, it's you know, finally uh, reaching an audience here. It came out uh, the week before last. Which is fantastic because you know they're, they're kind of they're long journeys. You you make it you know eighteen months ago and you sort of forget about it and then it resurfaces. So it's been it's been great to finally meet an audience. You know. Do you still get a buzz about seeing yourself on the, the big screen? Um, I wouldn't say a buzz. I get I get a kind of it changes. You know, sometimes you go. Um, this is you know this is helpful. You can kind of watch it back and sort of learn from it, reflect on it, and sometimes you go who's that Aegis? don't you know what I mean so it's I, I've seen it enough times now I would say um, okay. but I, I still get a great kick from seeing it with an audience you know it's every audience has been different whether it's in like Glasgow or London or Dublin or Kerry it's it's you know it's always kind of it's interesting to see what people pick up on and what's what changes from screening to screening so um, I've loved it you know I think I've just about maxed out on how many times I can view it. But, okay, uh, yeah. but you you will view it again when you come to the Fasted Film Festival. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Have I you have wait, you been? Actually. Have you been to Skull in the festival before? I've been to Skull many many times. Um, I've family down there, and I've um, so I know it well, and I love it down there. But um, I actually haven't been able to go to the festival. It's there's been I, I've been kind of supposed to go or planning to go for a couple of years, and it's never worked out. So. I'm delighted to be going this year and with a film as well, you know, makes it extra special. And those Q&A sessions afterwards, is that something you enjoy doing? I do, actually. Yeah, yeah. it's um, I really do, because you, you kind of I guess you get you get you get people's sense of the film. You, I suppose you kind of um, you always get interesting questions. And I like I always find I'm not a very good audience member. You know what I mean? I kind of. A lot goes over my head sometimes, so I I just get very humbled sitting in Q and A and seeing what people have seen or taken from it. Um, and I, I suppose especially when it's a film you've made in you know in your kind of neck of the woods. So like I'm I'm down there with Lakelands on the Sunday, uh, and we have another film, The Sparrow, um, screening on the Saturday. Um, Michael Kinnearn's um debut feature, and that was filmed in West Cork. Yeah. So. It's it, it it it. There's a kind of uh, there's a there's an extra kind of layer to it. I think when you're showing it in your own area and and people are kind of watching their own landscape on screen. Um, I did a short called Lamb with uh, Sinead O'Loughlin, and uh, that's going to be screening as well. And it's it it definitely there. I think there's something added to the experience when it's your own kind of when you're watching your own world on Yeah, yeah, because you know? people can, can, can re-identify with it. Jeez, you're taking over the film festival, I have to say. 
<laughs> I know. I don't know who I bribed this year, but uh, I've managed to. <laughs> well, let, let, <laughs> I've managed well, to sort of well, plan myself in for the weekend. Let, let me bring in one of the women who's been behind this festival. I think literally since uh, day one, and that's the hugely charismatic yes. uh, Pauline uh, Cotter. And it's only in West Cork you could run a film festival in a town that doesn't have a cinema. Good morning, to you, Pauline. <laughs> Good morning, Patricia. Long time no here. Uh, well, I listened to you a lot, but I, that we spoke together. How I, are you? I think it was this time last year for the festival, probably uh, again. That was, that was probably is, it, yeah. is, is it all systems go at this stage? Well, um, as you you may not know, but I've sort of taken um, a back seat. Okay. Yeah, you have. Because um, medical wise, okay. I know I have. I haven't. Okay. But uh, Helen and Hillary and the the mad crew that are still here with all the volunteers are, I mean, they are just unbelievably diligent and how would you say hardworking you should see the village at the moment Jean and her crew have the volunteers and the um, creative team have put up the flags on the street it looks stunning it's it amazes me why this festival works and I think I know why I think it's because the whole village gets involved yeah. and the likes of young mm-hmm. artists like Aina Lenny is coming back to us right you have so many new art. Uh, David, David uh, Putnam. Um, so many uh, new and and our old favourites are coming back. And that's what we need because the young can learn from them, you know. But um, it's, it's, it's a festival of the village for the village and for the young artists. And that's why I love it so much with such passion. Yeah, and that's why, you know, I, I know you were listening as I was chatting with Aina, you know, the, the Q&A session. The audiences that go to the film festival are incredible, Pauline. I know, but you'd be amazed. The um, questions you get, they are so intelligent. They've watched a movie and they can format and, and wonderfully. You know they have a love of film. That's it. You know. Have you, ha- the audience. have you any particular highlights that you're looking forward to this year, Pauline? I would technically love to be able to go to on Thursday to Cape Clear but I don't think the bloody bones will allow me to do... Oh, forgive me. But the bloody bones will allow me to do the uh, trip of the boat. That should be great fun. There's a boat going to Cape Clear, and it's a Gaelic day showing. And, you know, there's a lot of programs selling out. Oh, do you know what we're doing? We're welcoming our Ukrainian guests. We have a Ukrainian program as well. Okay? And I think that's a nice thing to do. I I could go on. Oh, my God, Eden Quinn, that handsome hunk. He's coming. Okay. You, you know, Eden Quinn? Oh, my God, he is oh, on two feet. He is and, just so and gorgeous. Listen, and listen, Aina Hardwick isn't bad on the eye either, Pauline. Well, you see, I know him. He's like my adopted son. Oh, is he? He's, okay. He's Holly's, he's Holly's uh, brother. <laughs> okay. You see? So I can't sort of see him in a sexy way. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, know. I, can, I can see him as my adopted son. Okay, we'll take that. We'll take that. Johnny, oh, before I go, okay. can I put a call out um, yeah. for volunteers? Uh, all the gang here are going to be in the office here at 5 o'clock on Monday and we're going to give the whole village a spruce up. We do it every year. We clean up the whole village, we do the weeding, we do um, the litter and whatnot. So I'm calling for bodies on Monday, 5 o'clock, Film Festival office, and uh, I might have a surprise pizza for you, you know, at if the you end come of along. It. Okay. At the end of it. Okay. This... Listen, uh, that's a call out for that and... Um, Oh, I have to say thank you to the Tidy Towns co- Committee, uh, Moira and Eleanor, and say anytime you can volunteer for them, please do. But they're coming along to uh, 
uh, help as well. Okay, and this is the woman who's taking a back seat. You're okay. fantastic as I know, always. I don't believe yeah, a word and of neither it. do I, Ian, and neither do I. Ana, <laughs> behave yourself. Uh, and listen, you, you, you look after yourself, uh, Pauline. Ana, you enjoy your trip to Skull and tickets are available for the Fastnet Fist- and Film Festival. And they can be got on, on even bright. On Eventbrite. Listen, thanks yeah, for that, folks. Thanks for that. Thanks for that. See you then there, Pauline. See you soon. Thank you to Therese and in a lovely text she was listening to Victoria Spillane. Victoria was outlining what her life has been uh, like living with Crohn's disease. Bearing in mind that she, she's in her mid-30s now. She was diagnosed when she was only 13. The poor child and what she has been through and she very clearly and matter-of-factly outlined what she's been through and the amount of the treatment that she's had and the various very, very severe operations that she's need, needed to have. Therese says, Patricia, listening to Victoria on your programme this morning this morning, and her health problems. She'd put people to shame. She just gets on with her life and she's smart to boot. Best of luck to her for, for the future. And that's from Therese. Thank you for that, Therese. That is a lovely, lovely text. Okay, time to turn our attention to the biggest 90s and noughties disco. It's at the INEC in Killarney tomorrow week, Saturday, May the 27th. We have tickets for you and three of your friends if you'd like to go along and you are a lover of music from the 90s and the uh, noughties. We've got a trivia question for you. And today's question is Baywatch was a show about who? Was it A, policemen or B, lifeguards? Baywatch was a television show about who? A, policemen or B, lifeguards? If you know the answer, you text A, if you think it's policemen, you text B. If you think Baywatch was about lifeguards, along with your name and address, get texting at WhatsApping now 86 We will take your entries for the next 10 minutes and then we will uh, randomly select a winner for today who will be winning tickets for you and your three friends to go along to the biggest 90s and noughties disco. Reminding you the tickets are available at Biggest Disco. Dot com. 0818103103. Our lines are open. Leave the text messages just for the competition entries so that I don't miss any of your messages. And of course, text and WhatsApps for the competition 0862103103. Now, a number of people, by the way, have been texting me this morning about events that are either on uh, this evening or this weekend and wanting me to give a shout out to them. So let me do those for fear that I forget them. Marion was on to say Middleton GAA bingo is on as usual this evening. Great prizes on. Uh, offer. Social dancing is on tonight in the CYMS Hall uh, in Newmarket. Music by Michael Collins. A great night is short and I'm told it's a great way to meet up with people. And thank you for a reminder about the Bialtana Festival. It's the 10th anniversary celebration dance of Mushra platform dancing. It is in Ballinagree Village. Make sure I get it right this time. Ballinagree Village. That's happening next uh, Sunday at half past two in the afternoon. Music is by the Lee Sound and it'll be followed by CM, C&M Sounds. No cover charge. There will be a raffle and great day uh, assured and there will be wonderful uh, spot prizes. And Theo Park have been on to say that dancing is on in Theo Park also next Sunday, three to half past five. The music of Teddy and Cahal Barry. Also, Patricia, there is a Bible study and healing going on in Theo Park uh, tomorrow afternoon with Brother Johnson and Brother 
Amal. It's between half two and six. All are welcome. And hi to Mary O'Brien in Kilbehany. Sending me a text to say dancing is on tonight in Kilbehany Community Centre to Michael Sexton. Dancing from nine, admission 10 euro. And of course, the usual teas will be served. Now, oh, and also a lot coming in today. The West Cork Vintage Club, they're holding their annual vintage run. It's happening on this Sunday. It starts at the Model Village in Clon and then it goes back into Baltimore. There'll be free refreshments at the Model Village and the run is described as a picnic run. All proceeds are going to the wonderful West Cork Rapid Response. You sign in at half past ten at the Model Village and then it will leave at twelve. If you'd like further information 85 644 Good luck to everybody uh, going off on that run on Sunday. It's in a great cause. Some of your commentary that I didn't get around to earlier and my apologies, uh, in particular still getting in uh, calls about that horrific attack in uh, Navan and everybody waiting to see how it's going to be handled by the Gardaí. We know that the, the Gardaí are sending specially trained Gardaí. They are members of the Gardaí Youth Diversion Programme. They're going to interview the suspects, of course, are all uh, juveniles. And then, of course, people. some people have been critical of the video that went up. Others say it was right that it went up. Uh, and Pat said, and I was mentioning the fact that there's been 5 million views well that was up to last night and he said everyone needs to be careful when they're saying that that video had 5 million views because Pat says many people will watch that video over and over again so people may have watched it up to 5 times so technically there might only be a million uh, views he said I think commentators need to be careful God Pat even if there's a million uh, views how anyone could watch that over and over I barely watched it because I as rule of thumb I never watched those videos I find them very difficult to watch but I knew that we would be discussing it on air so I had to watch it I watched it with the sound down and I kept glancing away that I didn't give it a huge amount of and I didn't get into a huge amount of detail because I couldn't I, I physically find them very very uh, difficult but regardless of the number a lot of people have seen it and have uh, shared it somebody said that man John that was John O'Donovan who was on is right about the lack of meaningful sentences for what this person describes as scut who end up before the court. He's also dead right when he talks about Katie Taylor and female boxers. This listener feels it it is professional assault, little else. When you're watching two people boxing, be they males or uh, females, it shouldn't be regarded as a sport. It is legal assault and little else. So there's somebody who agrees with John O'Donovan, not a fan of boxing. Those little pups says this texter. Many of those will be watching the likes of Conor McGregor and wrestling and cage fighting on TV and on the internet and then they glorify it as a sport. You add into the mix illegal drugs and substances. It is a cocktail for chaos. And hi Patricia, this type of hate crime is happening all over the country without coming to the notice of the authorities. Thank goodness there was a video last Monday to alert of this terrible crime. There needs to be very, very severe consequences for such anti-social behaviour and it's needed and it's needed urgently before it totally gets out of hand. Would it not be time to bring back in compulsory military training? 
for all school leavers, especially anyone who ends up in any kind of youth crime or ends up before groups like the Garda Youth Diversion uh, Programme. I'm interested in your thoughts on that. Will people be interested in having compulsory military training as we see in other uh, countries? Hi, Patricia. I think it was good that that video was uh, put up. Otherwise, that attack would have been kept secret depending on who was involved. At the end of the day, it's a hate crime and they must be punished. They can't be let get away with it. If they're let to get away with it, mark my words, they'll do it again. And then it will just, the cycle will keep on uh, going. 0818103103. And then in the mix of all of that, this is a bullying uh, issue because it, it, because the Gardaí are certainly not calling out what happened on Monday as bullying. They're calling it out as a hate crime. But here's somebody, because we, we did discuss bullying yesterday on the programme as well when we were discussing what's happening with some young people. How would people react to this? Patricia, what would you think of a little 10-year-old girl who's at school and another 10 year old girl I was seeing another little girl in the class saying go away I only want to talk to my friends and another time somebody saying to this little girl I hate you teacher was aware but didn't want to hear about it children can be so cruel and little girls can be as cruel as little boys and that's exclusion and that is a form of bullying when a child is completely excluded from a group I'm truly shocked and saddened to hear that a teacher didn't react when it was brought to the teacher's uh, attention um, because majority of teachers would have intervened in something like that. That uh, really is awful uh, to think that that's happened. I don't know if it's your own daughter or not, but my heart goes out to that little girl for sure. 0818 103 103. And then can I can I just revert back to Katie Taylor, seeing as we spoke about Katie Taylor and we spoke about female boxing and John O'Donovan doesn't like boxing of any kind but there are a huge number of people are very excited about the big fight that is on tomorrow night and I'm assuming Michael is very excited about it as well because he's contacted us because he's jolly annoyed and he says in his WhatsApp I just can't get my head around the fact that RTE will not be showing the Katie Taylor boxing match live tomorrow night tomorrow night believe it or not they have scheduled a Tom and Jerry film instead. What sort of, and I can't use that word, Michael, what sort of people have we in the RTE sports department? Virgin Media, I feel, are not much better. Are they writing our sports out of their schedule altogether? Why are we paying a TV licence fee? This is absolutely disgraceful behaviour, the way Katie Taylor is being treated and when you think back all that she's done for this country and for the sport of female boxing, uh, thanking you. Now, I don't know whether RTE were even approached. I'm probably thinking they weren't approached because the majority of boxing matches are up behind a paywall. This is all about making money. And it is a company called Daz, is that how you pronounce it? It's D-A-Z-N. I don't know if the N is silent uh, or not. And people who are subscribers to Daz, they will get the fight night tomorrow night at no extra cost. But for anybody else who wants to sign up, you can sign up for a no contract, what they call flexible pass to watch the fight and it will cost you nineteen ninety nine. So it is behind a paywall. So I'm assuming, Michael, from that, that RTE wouldn't even have been offered it because this is all for the boxing promoters because these fights cost a lot of money. I know there's a huge amount of security. There's English security people being flown into this country on top of 
Irish security teams will be employed as well as a huge amount of money spent on these boxing matches and obviously the pot I don't know how much the pot is I'm, I'm assuming that runs into uh, millions as well so it is all about making money so generally speaking that type at that level of boxing is always behind a pay uh, wall so we you may be unfairly criticising RTE 0818 103 103 uh, John Paul taking your calls The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council, where communities and businesses all across the county can get the support they need at corkcoco.ie. In the Glen Theatre in Bantier tonight, Robert Mazel will be playing along with his full band. It's in concert. Tickets are available 029 562 Bingo is on in Mallow GAA Complex. They've got a big jackpot, €4,400. Kildallery Bingo also on uh, tonight. Um, at the Creamery Yard uh, starting at 8 a jackpot €1,750 and the Ballydehob Union of Parishes they will hold their Ascension Tide sale tomorrow Saturday between 2pm and 4.30 it'll be held in Ballydehob Community Hall now lots of stalls including plants books nearly new items home baking country produce a bottle stall and refreshments. And Mallow Tidy Towns, they're holding a plant and seed swap tomorrow, Saturday, from 11 to 1 pm. It'll be held in O'Brien Street in Mallow. Feel free to bring your seeds, cuttings, or plants, and you can exchange or you can gift them. And as part of the Biel, oh, I mentioned that already. This is the one I wanted to do a community fundraising walk in aid of Balanine, Enniskeen, Tidy Towns, and Bida. That will be held this Saturday, leaving Ballymoney National School half past 12. The walk is 3.7 kilometres. It's suitable for all levels and there'll be refreshments afterwards and ice cream for the little ones. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. We've closed off our texts for the biggest 90s and naughties disco at the INEC in Killarney and we have, by the way, the answer was, of course, Lifeguards. That's the Baywatch uh, show featured Lifeguards. So the answer was B and we have selected our winner for today, Jen Tierney of James Brook East Ferry, uh, close to Middleton. Well done, uh, Jen. You and three of your friends will be heading to that disco in the INEC tomorrow uh, week. And a reminder that tickets can be purchased on biggestdisco.com. And thank you to everybody who took part. Uh, we had a lot of interest in that competition this week. And John Paul tells me we have another competition next week. And it's in association with the Mallow Homes and Garden Festival, which of course is happening the following weekend. So we'll bring you details of that on uh, Monday. Uh, I mentioned bullying when I t- spoke about a little 10-year-old girl being excluded. Just oh, to break your heart. Uh, that prompted Caroline to contact us. She was bullied when she was in school. She reckoned it went on for 12 years. So I'm assuming you're in that was your entire every year at school there was some kind of bullying going on she did go to the principal nothing was ever done about it uh, then later in life she was working under a TUS scheme she said bullying started again she reported it and an inspector simply said sure bullying happens uh, everywhere so where do you go you have to keep shouting about it Caroline for sure but it is, it is a horrible horrible thing to actually be going uh, through I've been asked to send best wishes to Isabel O'Brien 
of St. Joseph's Primary School in Glanmire and indeed to everybody in St. Joseph's Primary School in Glanmire. Special day tomorrow, they're making their first Holy Communion. Isabel's dad, Fimber, was on and wants to particularly wish Isabel at the very best of luck and hi to everybody and best wishes to everybody making Holy Communion tomorrow. I know there's a bit of rain forecast but hopefully the sun will be shining down as they're going in and out of the church and for the photographs etc. And Kitty in Kinsale was on. This is to do with the ongoing issue that's happening in County Clare at Inch and the blockade and I just checked before I before I said I'd deal with uh, Kitty's uh, comment. The blockade to that former hotel in Inch um, that's been used to house asylum seekers it remains in place this morning and the protesters are there for the fifth day. Uh, Kitty is shocked and saddened about what is going on in Clare and what are we turning into as a, a nation if we can't give refuge to people. Now she understands there will be local concerns about people especially if they don't know who's coming into uh, their area and suddenly there's an influx of people but we need to get to know these uh, people and we as a nation we've always been known as a very generous, kind, compassionate, empathetic nation. Like what's gone wrong? Why we seem to be losing our humanity or certain sections of the Irish community seems to be losing its uh, humanity and many of those people that are in Inch are, are fleeing desperate, desperate situations. Thank you for that, Kitty. And then that got me thinking when I was reading a piece today, you know, are we picky about which emigrants we want and don't want in our area? Because it looks like we are going to have more and more immigrant workers coming because there are so many jobs. We have got um, many employers in all different professions and all different industries and businesses all over the country desperately looking for workers. We've near full employment. We've also got some jobs that Irish people simply don't want to do or we don't train enough of people in a particular profession. So what do we do? We have to look outside of Ireland to get workers in in order to keep the economy uh, going. And experienced medical staff from outside the EU are now being drafted in and this is to work in rural GP practices and this is in, in an effort to try to reverse what is now been widely known as a medical brain drain and seemingly an initial group of more than 20 completed what was a three day residential induction that was organised by the Irish College of General Practitioners that was held in March and those 20 now are currently working alongside established GPs now some of the towns that have been mentioned are Abbey Leaks in Wexford and in Castle Bar but there is a second group who are completing the first phase of their familiarisation programme this week and a Dr Velma Harkins is uh, quoted in the papers today she's one of the programme leads on the scheme and she said that they're confident that about a hundred doctors will be enrolled from outside the EU by the end of this year and she said that they're delighted to say that the applications keep rolling in so a lot of these immigrant doctors want to come to Ireland uh, to work. The Irish College of General Practitioners scheme and obviously they're supported by the HSE and they're supported by the Irish uh, Medical Organisation. It's all part of a wider attempt. We They need to address an estimated shortfall of 2,000 GPs in the Republic. And of course, this is a, pro- a, a problem we have already and it's only going to get worse because a large proportion of the existing GPs that are currently working today, many of them are approaching retirement uh, age and attracting younger doctors 
to replace them is an ongoing challenge. It has been for a number of years, but it is just getting worse. And it is particularly challenging in rural areas where inviting a doctor in to run a smaller practice they often struggle to encourage and incentivise people because cover isn't always available. So if you're asking a young GP and it could be a young GP that maybe has a a family, if you're asking them to come in, you're basically saying to them, you might be able to get time off. You can forget about booking holidays because there mightn't be any cover for you. And you may not get to see your children that much if it's a very busy rural uh, practice. So it's hard to incentivise people into those rural areas. So it's been anticipated that this scheme where they're going outside the EU would it is it will attract significant interest with South African doctors, but it seems the twenty doctors so far who gathered in Port Leash yesterday to start their induction, uh, several of them were from countries including Nigeria, Afghanistan, and Pakistan. And under the terms of the program, what happens is they apply to come to Ireland. They've obviously had all of their medical uh, training. They then work under supervision with a mentor GP in Ireland and they work under supervision for two years. And then at that stage, they take exams. And when they pass those exams, they're then allowed to become fully qualified and work you know, in a practice on their own. They don't have to be supervised anymore. And the Irish Times is quoting one particular doctor in Abbey Leaks. It's uh, Dr. John Madden. And he's had a husband and wife team from South Africa, Dr. Bianca and her husband, Craig. They've come from South Africa. They're working now in Dr. John Madden's long-established practice in the town of Abbey Leaks. And he says the new arrivals have hugely boosted the practice, he said, particularly for female patients. They obviously didn't have a female doctor. They do uh, now. And he said it's been transformational and they're extremely fortunate to have got this husband and wife team, both doctors from uh, South Africa. The doctors themselves have arrived. They have a young family and they're all uh, settling in well. And one of the reasons that this family decided to leave South Africa was that Dr. Craig, the father in this case, was held at one stage. Twice actually it happened. He was held at gunpoint. And there's a typical and there's a good example of when you hear some of the people who are against the immigrants and, you know, if they hear that somebody is fleeing, you know, persecution or is fleeing from a particular country and maybe would say that they're fleeing from South Africa, you'll eventually, you know, you'll always hear the retort well there's no war in South Africa why are you running away from South Africa well if you're trying to do your job and you've twice been held at gunpoint you are fleeing for your life there mightn't be an actual war on the ground but people as we we discussed only during the week people flee their country looking to get out to get a better life and they do it for a variety of different reasons it isn't always because there is a war situation going on so it looks like and we can be very thankful to all of those African uh, countries and countries like Afghanistan and Pakistan where doctors are being are being trained and then they come to this uh, country and I wonder particularly those people who are the anti-immigrant crowd who always go on about, you know, Ireland for the Irish. I wonder if they end up in a hospital situation and they're screaming in pain and a doctor from another country comes to sort them out and get rid of their pain. I wonder, will they say, no, I don't want to be treated by you? I think not. 0818 103 103. John Paul's taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. 
You're listening to C103's Cork Today podcast. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And for the second time today, we're talking movies. This time it's with our regular movie reviewer, Mark Malone. Uh, good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Patricia. And you're very welcome. OK, you watched two movies for us. You watched Renfield and Peter Pan and Wendy. I'm a big <laughs> fan of Peter Pan. OK, let's uh, start with Renfield and we have a quick trailer. Let's see it. You okay? No. I work for Dracula. Count Dracula. Yes. What? Some call me the Dark One. Others the Lord of Death. <laughs> You're like the guy that gets the villain's postmates. I suppose that's a no. Do you bring any of my dinner tonight? No. No. Not a no. No. Not no. Now I'm assuming this is a this is a comedy. I mean, I'm I'm talking Dracula, and I don't like Dracula movies because they scare the life out of me. Well, you certainly won't like this. Oh, but it's extraordinarily violent. It is really. It? Oh yeah, Ooh. yeah. So let me make that quite clear. It's comedy okay. horror. You know what I mean? And uh, if if it's bloodletting you want, it's all here on screen. Uh, I can assure you. Uh, this stars Nicholas Cage, who plays uh, Dracula, and he had a bit of a run in with a few um, kind of um, vampire hunters, and so he's not particularly well. Um, also in the film is Nicholas. Holt, who plays his kind of, almost Dracula's kind of slave. He's what's called a familiar. And uh, he too has powers. Um, He is immortal, uh, but um, he's not a fully kind of um, vampire. Uh, But he does gain super strength and speed from eating insects, for example. So he doesn't eat kind of human bodies uh, like Dracula does, but he's got to try and find bodies uh, for Dracula. Um, Dracula for for so that you know um, uh, Nicholas Cage doesn't have to go out and and do it himself. Uh, the problem is, of course, is that uh, Nicholas Holt, because he's kind of halfway in between, finds that uh, he's kind of getting a little bit fed up with being somebody's slave. He's fed up with finding bodies to feed Dracula because he begins to warm his kind of human side begins to warm to humans. And and, and uh, we hear too that Nicholas Cage wants a particular type of body. He doesn't want bad guys because that's what Nicholas Holt does, which kind of forgives him. In in such a way because he only you know he's only killing bad people he's only killing bad people to, yeah. to, to provide but in fact Nicholas Cage makes something uh, makes it quite clear that uh, he wants kind of people with with a more kind of um, uh, kind of kind of pure heart uh, because that blood is much much better for him um, as he recovers from his injuries from uh, the earlier um, um, meeting with uh, some vampire hunters uh, Nicholas Holt has played this kind of character before um, he made a film uh, some years ago called Warm Bodies and he was kind of half and half and that is He's half zombie and half kind of human, which is kind of very interesting that he's basically playing the same part uh, mm. here again. As you heard in the trailer, there is a lot of humour, and especially in the kind of first half of the film, it is really, really funny. I mean, there's a huge amount of blood being let in. Yes, there is. And it is incredibly violent as well. But you do enjoy uh, the, the humour of it. Um, the, for example, this is written, directed and produced by a man by the name of uh, Chris McKay, who made uh, the Lego Batman film, which uh, we oh, spoke yeah. about recently, yeah. which is a film I like very, very much indeed. So he's obviously very, very good at uh, kind of um at comedy, um, Nicholas Cage, he too, he, he played a vampire in a film called Vampire's Kiss uh, some about 20 years ago as well. And it's a very, very similar character here. So we, we're retreading kind of old ground here. Um, it's just the only difference between those movies and now is just, as I say, uh, the level of violence has been upped by, you know, 100%. The opening scene really did catch me, though, because what they did with the opening scene, it's in black and white. And what they did is they went back to uh, the 1930s and they found an old Bela Lugosi film, oh. took Bela 
out of it yeah. and inserted Nicolas Cage into Clever. the scene. And it's a lovely opening scene, actually. I really enjoyed that very, very much indeed. I enjoyed the humour. The problem then is that uh, it's just kind of the violence and the action kind of takes over and you're, you spend the whole time going, I want to see more Nicolas Cage. I want to see the kind of the more human characters in it rather than just 10, 15 minute kind of action sequences. And that's where the kind of the film kind of lost me ever so slightly. Look, the action sequences are very, very good indeed. A lot will depend on whether or not, you know, you've got a strong stomach. Uh, you know, I know I'm sensitive to violence, but I think I've said this before. I'm sensitive to violence if it's in the wrong place. Mm. If it's a family movie and all of a sudden you've got this terrible scene which shouldn't be there. Uh, look, if it's a horror film, and you I know that it. Yeah, I expect you, it. Yeah. And so therefore, um, you know, I, I will accept it. And I ended up enjoying it very, very much indeed. I mean, it, it's not a huge budget film. Uh, it's a small budget and it's done relatively well. And um, whether or not we see another one, uh, there is talk about maybe a sequel um, uh, for the film. Um, I did enjoy Nicolas Cage's kind of performance, although I the teeth he, aren't great. But, but I do think he's got that look of Dracula. Well, he loves he loves overreacting. He loves yeah. a big, big performance, and he does that here. And he he does that. It's just that the teeth are thought the false, they look like false teeth. And that ah, was the yeah. only thing. So they didn't look particularly scary. And but he 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 likes to show them off throughout the whole film. Um, in the end, I thought uh, I think it's pretty really I think, I think it's successful. I think it did work. Um, it's just that um, it's not as good. As, I think that there there's so many plot holes in this film. A lot of it kind of doesn't really make much sense. Um, but look for horror fans. I think, and if you're a fan of uh, Nicolas Cage, I think you'll enjoy. But beware, it is an adult film. Yeah, because I, I, I saw somewhere that like in one of the scenes, uh, somebody is split in half on the railings. There's an awful lot of that kind of stuff. Well, I don't want to go into too much detail yeah. about that. Okay. If you're not a horror fan, beware. Yeah. But if you are, and if you want horror comedy... Um, Renfield is the one for you. I think it's... Uh, yeah, just think Warm Bodies, the, the movie I mentioned there earlier from Nicholas okay. Holt. It's very, very similar to that. Mark it out of ten? I'll give it six. Six out of ten. Yeah. Now, you went from that... <laughs> to Peter Pan and Wendy. I did. I lo- well, I'm a fan of, of Peter Pan, the story and all of that. And I, I'm yep. assuming that's exactly what we're talking about. Yes, it is indeed. Yeah, you'll remember the 1953 animated yep. film, I think, which, uh, you know, which I saw as a kid in the cinema. That's how old did I am. You? I did, did indeed. You? Yeah. And of course, I fell in love with it like everybody did. And of course, introducing it to my daughter uh, was kind of a big major thing for me. And of course, she ended up watching it a hundred times and yeah. knew it inside out, knew all the songs. Of course, the songs were just extraordinary. Uh, there was a version some years two back from Steven Spielberg called Hook. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, which I thought was a bit stagey, but I thought you know it had it. You know it had Robin Williams in it. You know what I mean? And it, it was it was okay, I think. And there was a pretty good version too uh, back in uh, 2003 with uh, Jason Isaacs, which wasn't bad at all. Unfortunately, this doesn't compare to any of them. Um, ah, yeah, it just simply doesn't work. Now I know you might think, look, Mark, it's not really for you. But look, I I, I love you know kids movies like everybody. Else, and I want. And I love the Harry Potter series, and I wanted to love this as much as everybody. I'm not the only one. I mean, it has been very, very kind of criticised at every level. Um, and the thing is, you know, recently, I mean, I've been very supporter of um, of Disney lately. I did like their Pinocchio, even though everybody hated it. You know, I liked it as well. I thought I it was did, really, yeah. really sweet and yeah. cute. You know what I mean? And was, I liked, that's exactly what it was. It was a very sweet movie. Yeah, and I liked their um, their um, updated version of of uh, the Lion King. I thought yeah, it worked yeah. for me. It was really entertaining. Yeah. So I'm not somebody who will just keep here and just come here and and heap criticism on Disney. 
But this just simply doesn't work. Uh, it's so oh. grey, you know what I mean? And it's it's such a shame. And um, and I don't know why. But the director made a lovely film a few years ago called Pete's Dragon, which was a lovely uh, family film. Uh, but the thing is, is that it's almost like they've decided, well, it has to be a little bit darker. It is humour-free, by the way. I didn't smile. I didn't laugh once throughout the whole film. A lot of the problem, I think, is, is to do with the casting because the kids aren't great. Uh, Ever Anderson, who plays uh, Wendy, is pretty good, and she's probably the best of them. Uh, but the Lost Boys, a lot of them uh, just simply can't act. Even um, the the pirates, for example, there was a scene where uh, there's about 20 pirates looking out to sea and I decided to look at the pirates in the background to see just how well they were directed. And you could see that they're not in character, they're looking around, they're looking in the wrong place. And that all comes down to the director or the assistant director from not kind of concentrating kind of properly on what's mm. happening. Who's uh, Captain Hook? Captain Hook is played by Jude Law. Okay. Now, if when it comes to kind of positive reviews about the film, it was he who got the best reviews. For me, I think he underplayed it completely. The whole film, by the way, takes itself incredibly seriously, and he takes the character uh, incredibly seriously. Exactly, <laughs> and for me, it you know it should have been you know it it it, it, it the, the character should have been big and large, and he yeah. should have been overacting, but he really really unplays it. I mean, you know, it should have been like you know, remember Ron Moody as as Fagin in yeah, in, yeah. in in Oliver Twist. That's the kind of big big character. And it that's what been. you expect from Captain Hook. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the whole film is kind of almost colour free. I mean, it's it's just it's almost in black and white. So I don't know why uh, it, it, it came out this way. I don't know if the director was kind of under pressure to kind of make it look a particular way. Um, they use this kind of weird fisheye lens, which kind of concentrates on the characters kind of the middle of the screen, whereas everything else then is out of focus. There's an awful lot of close up work. And I presume it's because, again, because of CGI, because, as I mentioned before, they make these films in this, these green boxes. And so therefore you can't pull the camera back because there's nowhere for the camera to go. So everything is in close up. And and as I say, it's it's humour free and it's it's a terrible shame and um, I'm afraid I couldn't warm to it at all. And did you say it's in black and white? A lot of it looks as if it's in black and white. Uh. Now I don't know if that's a cinematographer kind of um, idea that when we see the when we see um, the, the pirates that uh, you know we want to kind of portray the fact that they're a bit grey and they're a bit darker and then when we see the kids in Neverland it's a little bit kind of br- brighter, brighter yeah. uh, but it doesn't really work that way the only time my heart lifted is every now and then they do have little references to the music and references to the songs but of the no original but there's no music in this it's not there is a, there is a couple of songs alright okay. yeah but but um, by that stage I'd kind of lost all interest right. you know what I mean and um, and it's such a shame and it's a pity the kids weren't better that's all to, that's not the kids fault uh, the little boy playing um, uh, Peter Pan here is Alexander Maloney. He's very average, unfortunately. And it's not the kid's fault. It's all down to the director. For, and like, if you look at Hook, for example, I mean, we know Stephen Spielberg was brilliant with kids. And just watch the difference. You know, If you go and watch Hook, just compare the difference. And um, yeah, it's kind of humour-free. It's dull. And uh, there's one scene, all right, with the, the crocodile, which is a pretty good scene. But funny enough, ironically, it might be a little bit too scary for young kids. Because it's four. You know what I, mean? I mean, you're talking, what are you talking, eight to ten year olds? Oh, I, I presume so, yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, for me, look, it was a disappointment, but not just me, but for uh, for, for it, a lot yeah. of the critics have not been very kind And I think it. there will be a lot of parents, like we we discussed. I remember my own son, uh, David, I was a big fan of, of Peter Pan, and I remember I must have read the book to him loads of times. He actually named one of his teddy bears Smee the Boson. <laughs> <laughs> and for, I, I, Smee the Boson is somewhere up in the attic, I think, at home. Uh, so there will be parents wanting to go along and reliving their own childhood by bringing their kids uh, along. So, so uh, 
they may be a bit disappointed. Okay, mark it out of 10. And actually, Smee is played by Jim Gaffigan, who's a brilliant comedy uh, performer. You yeah. go on YouTube, you see he's one of the funniest men. He's just absolutely wasted in it. So, yeah, it is a disappointment. Do you know when we always talked about Disney, we used the word magic? Yeah. There's no magic here, oh, unfortunately. So, I'll give it uh, four, four, maybe. Four yeah, out of ten. And it's, it is simply called Peter Pan and Wendy. Yep. Okay, listen, have a lovely week. We'll chat again next Friday. That is uh, Mark Malone, our movie review. That's where I leave you for today. Thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing Nick Ritchie for the afternoon and we'll talk to you on Monday. Have a lovely weekend. I'm Patricia Messenger. Court today on C103. With Corrigan Insurance's McCroom, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.,